What we do here is go back, 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 back. and welcome to Unfiltered Tips, a podcast that myself, Kath, and my friend Rachel share in the struggles and successes of PhD life in the UK. Each episode will bring you updates from our lives in the lab, as well as discussing a topic more relevant to PhD life in depth. And this week, we're going to have a chat about the interview process for PhDs here in the UK, and we want to share our personal experiences of being interviewed. Um, but first, let's kind of find out how things are going. Rachel, um, what have you been up to? <laughs> in the last two weeks <laughs> uh yeah um in the last two weeks i have been doing some stuff on the computer uh trying to plot some graphs nice always harder <laughs> yeah. than it looks oh so, yeah i just wish that As i'm finding would, out <laughs> don't you wish that publications would accept an excel graph like <laughs> oh yes sometimes you know sometimes every time i try to make a graph probably um yeah no I've been I've been doing some computer stuff and um yeah just putting together my panel of antibodies testing them out you know getting some getting some uh nice pictures pictures oh my god yeah I get some pictures which is uh always a good it's always a good day when I when I get when I get a nice picture to look at and the, when the stainings works and it's not just like specky dots. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so this is for a fancy technique called Hyperion, not just like your standard multiplex IHC or whatever. This is <laughs> many antibodies. <laughs> many antibodies. <laughs> I remember last time talking about the metal conjugation process. Have you? How's that? Have you oh, learned? gosh. I... <sighs> okay, so... It, it, once I'd seen how to set it up, it was fine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's actually fine. But it's so many, it's a lot of spins, and also it's it's just like long, <laughs> very long. And also, you need to make sure um, your uh, antibodies are BSA free, which you know. I also yeah. happened to find out when I nano dropped one of my samples at the end. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, I did have an accident with a filter tip as well. That was frustrating. Um, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm just arranging a time with uh, one of the postdocs in my lab um, <laughs> to do a metal conjugation. And I was like, well, I know we need to do this one. He's like, there's no point just doing it for one. Can you please find a list of antibodies you want to conjugate? And I was like, okay. Yeah, uh, you need to do like four, at least four at a time. Yeah, at least so I'm going to see. Probably don't do more than six at once if it's the first time you've done it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm hoping if there's going to be two of us doing it, plus he's mostly going to do it and I'm going to be like, I don't know what's going on. I'll put this in the centrifuge for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's, um, it, it's actually all right. Like I was actually, you know, once I've done it once, it mm. was one of those things where it's that you... You read the protocol and you don't know what's going on, and then you kind of see it laid out and you do it once, and then you know you like understand what you're reading. <laughs> I would say, so literally, uh, me with every single protocol that's given to me, I'm yeah, just like, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> Why does a PBS wash? Yeah. What is a PBS wash? <laughs> you know, I yeah. just can't picture it. Uh, I just need to visualize it. <laughs> I remember 
remember so vividly like the first like undergraduate labs we had and we always had these pre-lab assessments on blackboard and like they showed us pictures of like automatic pipettes and like it said like p1000 p200 p20 and then it asked you questions being like if you needed to pipette 380 uh, microliters which pipette would you use and I just like did not understand the pictures or the diagram Mm. or what p1000 meant and it just really was like I couldn't piece together how this worked and I like failed the pre-lab assessment and it was like when I got in there and someone actually handed me a p1000 like automatic pipette I was like oh why didn't I understand that from the picture (laughs) like honestly though and that's just me to this day with every protocol I'm just like I don't understand (laughs) yeah I did um like with a filter tip though I had um I had a p20 filter tip on a p200 and then I tried to prepare an antibody and that was very sad because, you but know... why, why once, are they the same colour? <laughs> once, once that antibody goes onto the filter, it's, uh, it's not coming back, is it? No, um, but, but again, but why, for the week. why are they the same colour? I, like, really yeah, anger about this every time. And then, like, my colleague was like, yeah, but if they're filtered, you know, they have, like, the black background on the thing. And if they're not, I'm just like, no, you just, the P20s and the P200s need to be different colours. I just, yeah, it's a hill I will die on. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a pretty big hill, too. It's a pretty big hill, <laughs> I'm going to have a word of every single pipette tip manufacturer. Um, yeah, email them all. Off you go. <laughs> see, you, see you next time. Let us know. Will actually like, give us an update? In two I'm weeks sure. Time. I'm sure I could get a decent amount of ground support for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign the petition. <laughs> yeah, change.org. Yeah, team <laughs> a different colour. Submitted to, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I it. feel like um, I hit a real like I hit science low last week. <laughs> oh no um, yeah I mean I can relate to that <laughs> yeah on Tuesday I like got my I realized that the reason I hadn't got my data from the core facilities is because I didn't put my data in the right folder when I finished my setup experiment so I went back to the computer where, the, where like it's attached to the helios so I moved my data into the correct folder and then I looked at it and it was like oh there's no staining on this yeah oh, I remember you messaging me about that yeah none of my antibodies worked it was very depressing but that day I was also doing like quite a complicated uh like assay to validate the viability of my organoids following a period of starvation which um didn't go very well the cleave caspase 3 marker like just kind of adhered to the collagen gel and so everything sort of started fluorescing uh, which the like, dead organoids weren't really like they were just kind of merged into the background <laughs> oh no and then like I collected the organoids for viability um except I had 10 conditions and on a gentle max uh machine there's only eight viable slots which meant that like, there's eight slots on the machine and I had 10 conditions so I had 10 tubes and the like organoid protocol that we use takes an hour so I had to like take an extra hour with two of the conditions to dissociate them down to single cell and then one of the conditions my positive control the ones I purposely killed <laughs> like the gentle max you like 
put the tubes kind of upside down because they've got this kind of corkscrew thing in the bottom of the tubes. Anyway, my sample just leaked all out that tube. So I lost my positive control. Uh, Nightmare. That is genuinely something. That is that is on the level of, that is my level of, uh, you know, like, oh, cut a sample of the mic tone without a blade in it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's my level of. My positive control was no more. It was leaked all over the machine. I was particularly frustrated at the machine for not throwing an error, error warning at me about this. I just rocked up like, oh no, there's no, there's no liquid left it's in this tube. It's all on the floor, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was depressing. And then I actually ran the samples on like the facts on Friday. Um, and I performed a magic trick whereby my non-starved negative control should be alive and dandy, have worse viability than the cells I deliberately killed with DMSO. So mm, curious. <laughs> I, curious indeed. I preface this with the fact that like all the viability for all the conditions was like 20%, which is not great. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so basically the whole experiment was a write-off and I just like I don't know yeah after Tuesday disaster I basically just didn't do any work on Wednesday um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I was probably I remember I, I feel like I remember just annoying you and you're like I wasn't I'm, you were just I'm, you just texted me back being like I'm not doing anything today <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like when you really hate science, you just need to step away from it for a bit. So yeah. I did that. Um, yeah, so it was just really rubbish. And then after my, like, really poor viability results for, like, on the facts, I was just, like, so depressed and so stressed because I had a meeting with, like, my supervisor on Friday afternoon and he was, like, going to, like, take a look at my results and how I was doing and I was just, like... I have done terribly, all my results are terrible. Like he's gonna be upset and like sad that I don't have any work. But then it, he turns out he was actually really positive about it and I was very confused. He came up with some really helpful suggestions about ways to improve the experiment, but he was kind of just like, well, you've got good staining on the first run and bad staining on the second run. You've got the barcoding to work. Um, like, and you've got the stimulation to work in the Western block conditions. So there's no reason why it shouldn't work with the sight off. Mm. And he was just like, he was like, I think this genuinely just reflects like variation in you doing an experiment when you've only done it a couple of times. Um, yeah. I mean, your whole like, your mm. whole time up till now has been basically training for these last two times. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and they're, they're doing... big experiments you do, you know, go yeah. big or go home. <laughs> and I'm sure like as I do it more, like the variability in my results will settle down a bit. Um, and we're yeah. going to aid that, like we're going to add a longer starvation and we're going to hit them with a harder stimulation to try and really like manufacture the difference in the conditions. Yeah. Um, just so I know like the antibodies are reading those differences rather than just um, like hoping that they are, I guess. Um but yeah, like I came away from the meeting actually really encouraged, even though I'd gone into it feeling super discouraged. So that is like, uh, sounds like a good supervisor to me. Your supervisors do have perspective beyond like your own perspective, which is usually everything is failing. Help. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah, pretty much to be honest. <laughs> 
So today we thought we'd chat about interviews and stuff. Um, Yeah, I guess you have to do them if you want to do a PhD and lots of other things, to be fair. Uh, But yeah, I guess we thought we'd share our experiences and just thoughts about that, really. Mm -hmm, Thoughts about them, mm -hmm. how they were, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah. I guess we should probably cover like the types of interviews you might go on when you're applying for a PhD in the UK because there's a bunch like there's obviously that like initial meeting you have with a supervisor like usually if you see a project advertised Mm. some of the case if you see a project advertised and it's like a specific like supervisor you might meet with them and quite often there's a process of like you being selected by the supervisor um but then after that there's also funding panel interviews so I guess for big research funders that are like UKRI funders or um yeah like MRC and BBSRC and things like that like each university has like an allocated amount of funding to fund PhDs every year so I know at Manchester, for example, um, the MRC funds about 20 projects a year at Manchester. Um, But that means that PIs from across the uni can submit projects and choose candidates for those projects. But at the end of the day, only 20 of those candidates and projects get funded. Um, That's kind of a rundown of how it works in the UK for some stuff. And then there's other stuff where, like, charities or funding bodies like the Wellcome Trust and Cancer Research UK and British Heart Foundation um, they kind of skip that interview like the selection process of the candidate like by the project supervisor I guess and it's more mm. like the project and the supervisor have the funding and then it's like they as a charity like pick candidates it's mm. kind of random I feel like there's so many different ways <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the key thing is here, like you had a very different, your the way you got your PhD yeah. was actually quite different from the way I got mine. So, yeah, why don't we start with you, Rach? I, I guess I applied to a PhD program. So, mm-hmm. you know, Manchester had funding from, uh, like, had funding for seven PhD students for five years. Uh, and so I applied to that program and then. I got interviewed by four people who had basically got the funding for Manchester. Okay. Yeah. All that program. Um, and so then like, I was one of those people who who got put on that program. So it was it was like people at Manchester said, we want to run this PhD yeah. program. They get the money and then I apply to the program and then they pick seven mm-hmm. people to 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 yeah. go on to it. But for you, project, it was a bit different. Yeah, and then for you, like the project selection happens after you've got onto the program. Yeah, very much. Whereas so, yeah. I applied to one like that, um, but then the other two I applied to, I applied to more than two, but the other two I got interviews for were project-led stuff. So, mm. um, actually, I had three different styles. Like I had the program style, the project style, and then I also had like charity funded research which is slightly different again well you're you're a wealth of knowledge here yeah you're kind of being vetted by your 
potential PI and the funders at the same time. That makes sense. I don't know. Mm. It was stressful. Um, so yeah, I was going to say, that's literally what I was thinking. It sounds stressful. <laughs> yeah. All my interviews happened within, uh, I think, a week of each other in January. So, mm. and your interview was in January as well? It was, yeah. Yeah, so typically if you're applying to like a programme or like a big funder in the UK, I think interviews kind of happen between January and March but um yeah all of mine were in January and the Rachel's was obviously in January as well so Rachel why don't you kind of talk us through finding out about your interview and what did they tell you you needed to prep to prep for it and stuff like was there anything Uh, in particular um so yeah I mean so I I applied to I think in the end about five I uh <laughs> it takes a lot of work to do one application so like <laughs> it takes a lot of work to do one um and yeah I I started off probably you know <laughs> I applied for you know I, I applied for one that I basically knew I definitely wouldn't get but mm-hmm. I was like you know just apply for it anyway because it was more for the where experience. was that at, was that the quick one no, it was Cam- it was one at Cambridge actually. Did you apply to the crew? I didn't apply. I didn't. I actually didn't. Um, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I um, yeah, and then I I basically found a few other programs that I did, what I was in that I was interested in. Yeah, some some MRC, some others, uh, and yeah. yeah, I I think I got actually an offer for interview at three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to Manchester. Uh, I, the Manchester interview, like here, was first for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out just before Christmas that I was going on it, and yeah, um, yeah, my <laughs> it, it was good. It was, um, I think, in terms of like, I don't, I was like very fortunate to, yeah, I think ha- have some some good advice or, or stuff that I'd picked mm-hmm. up on, I guess. Um, but oh my gosh, traveling up to my interview, I'd come from the worst presentation of my life. Oh no. As in like genuinely, it was like I've never I, I've never sort of been speechless when presenting before. And as in I've like not been able to string a sentence together. And this was <laughs> the yeah, I this was a time when I could not string a sentence together. So I was literally was like <laughs> Was that a presentation, like a practice presentation for your interview, or was it just something different? No, no, just just lab lab, just a lab meeting, you know, like journal okay. review. So we yeah. we had, you know, just present a few papers quickly, just to let other people know about them, they're of interest. Um, yeah, and I just remember one I'd read first. I then I just put it last because it was the only one from that journal yeah and, and I just because I've read it first you know yeah, about it, yeah. two weeks ago I completely you know forgot about it so you come and, into the interview feeling like I don't know how to present oh yeah, yeah. I was literally like oh, shaking I was shaking yeah. like after after and I remember my supervisor just being like she was like oh like um yeah she she I remember I was going she's just like oh well uh I just remember her being like I was like shaking like in front of her head. she just remember feeling like wanting the ground to swallow me up and then yeah. she was just like be yourself <laughs> and I was like honestly to be fair that was honestly really really helpful because 
I think at that point I I was just looking for something that would let me know that I was actually good enough to be there. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, uh, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, like, I was going to say we haven't really on. mentioned that like all of these interviews really require a presentation element. So yeah, well, I mean, interestingly, mine did it require a presentation? Did we did we just had to chat about our projects? Oh. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, so it's quite you, nice. You got away with it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was awesome to just be able to chat yeah. about your projects and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. Yeah, and then <laughs> I remember being told, "Oh, like <laughs> I remember just being told, like um, I genuinely, actually, like another helpful thing I think was um, kind of like like it's all an interview." I don't know. So I got the chance to have three meetings with potential supervisors and then a panel and like okay you know I think I probably almost invested more energy in preparing for in like preparing for preparing to meet the people who I was meeting individually Mm -hmm. I would say um yeah yeah um um so I mean let's rewind a bit you're traveling up to Manchester from London (laughs) yeah um basically <laughs> having a breakdown <laughs> uh, yeah you're having a breakdown uh, I'm in Manchester waiting ready with open arms for a drink of food um <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah um, so I just wanted to bring up because it's so important to try and relax the night before um definitely definitely I think the worst thing you can be doing is like over stressing about all the finer details that you want to mention like that the next day um yeah because then you're like I don't know I just feel like it's a recipe for disaster if no. you're like overthinking everything but that's where I found yeah. the, like <laughs> the cat like the dinners that you get with other people who mm-hmm. are on your interview day like ours was actually really really good but yeah. um it, it's they can be a bit of a weird they can be a bit weird I think they can have a bit of a weird vibe sometimes yeah maybe. I think like it's interesting to like the dinner I mean it's great if they pick a good restaurant. Like I always appreciate. That's that. a bonus, yeah. <laughs> the bonus plus, like they're paying for it, so free drinks and food on whoever's funding your PhD. It's just always positive, and I think it's like weird because you like feel like you're going up against your like competitors, but then those people are also potentially your year group. So it's like you kind of want to both get along with them as well as like want to beat them. And it's like such a weird vibe. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was. Um, yeah, I re- I think the fact that I enjoyed it was like a good, mm-hmm. a good sign. You know. Did you uh, meet older students on your pre-interview? Yeah, there was one. There was one older student and a postdoc. Oh, who, nice. Who actually? Yeah, yeah. He was cool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a PhD student, a postdoc, and then the rest of us who were there so you've had your dinner out and then the next morning um take us through the day so what was kind of the first thing that happened the interview begins yeah uh how did it go we we had well we had a data interpretation test actually we had to write we had 15 minutes to like uh-huh. yeah write a short result section I just remember looking at it like being like this goes up till day 14 and then goes down from day oh 14 God. to 20, I remember literally like writing That's that. That's so stressful. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that makes up for the, you know, lack of actual presentation. Yeah. Um, 
No, it was it was actually an enjoyable. I actually did find an enjoyable day. The, the data interpretation bit was like probably the most. Was, was uh, that first up? Did they make you get that over and done with at the start? Uh, yeah, I know. I think mine was like second. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you met like the three um, potential three supervisors. Potential supervisors first, and then um, had the data interpretation test, and then. Uh, like I think actually I, I finished on one of the potential supervisors like meeting one of them but then yeah had my panel interview like second last or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah like the orders tends to be mixed up because like different candidates do different things at different times time. so yeah um in your like potential supervisor meetings like what did you talk about with them like... uh lots of different stuff actually um I asked I asked some questions to some of them about stuff mm-hmm. they did. Um, yeah, uh, lots and lots of different stuff actually. Yeah. yeah. Did you know who you were meeting before, like the day? Before? Yeah, we got to pick. We got to pick. Ah, uh, okay. Like we basically, when I interviewed for the same funding body with my program, like we put in a short list of like five names, and then mm-hmm. we might have those, but we might have completely different. And like yeah. one of the people I met was on my list, and two of the people I like met with weren't on my list but we didn't get told to the day of so oh okay like not knowing who they were or what they did or what to ask so yeah no so we got to pick so in and like initially we had you had to write a personal statement anyway as you do with PhD PhD applications and then one person was on my PhD Mm -hmm. um personal statement like he was on the personal statement for that and then was also there for the interview day and then there were two others that I we then got told who would like be there on the interview day mm. yeah um so okay which is nice like yeah I, it was just a chat like I don't know some of some of them ask you ask me more about what I've been doing this year some like of them I masters, asked yeah. more like in my masters yeah some of them some yeah. of them asked me some of it was just more chat or just showed me a bit more about like what they did um mm-hmm. yeah um did you and then you didn't have a presentation as such but no you had to talk about your work and what you were doing with the yeah 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 as Um, in maybe like tell us about they literally I think it was genuinely like tell us about what you've been doing this year yeah they love an open-ended question yeah (laughs) yeah but actually interesting intriguingly I remember my response to that I actually really remember because I I sort of didn't (laughs) I didn't expect myself to to kind of say it kind of mm-hmm. I don't know I think I just felt like for some reason I just felt quite comfortable and I was just like it's actually been quite hard mm-hmm. like I actually genuinely said I think I actually genuinely I think I was I was pretty honest like I was like it's actually been quite hard like actually uh there have been a lot of frustrations um but I've really loved it <laughs> like mm-hmm. like yeah like loved it I've loved it so much I've I've you know no I don't think I've found something that I have been so interested in before or like you know um so I think you know I don't know yeah that makes sense must have I think being honest is good for sure yeah yeah definitely definitely (laughs) and that kind of falls into that be yourself advice that like your previous supervisor gave you like you were honest in that moment and I think actually recognizing that scientific research is hard is like a key proponent of being a good PhD student. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. even though it's going to be hard did you get any other like classic questions like did you get asked like why do you want to do a PhD or yeah yeah um, I did that was the first question I'm pretty yeah sure, I think yeah um I never knew how to answer that question <laughs> yeah I don't know I think I was kind of like <laughs> I don't know I think genuinely I, I was just kind of like I'm quite curious I like asking questions uh it's cool to be able to find out something new. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem with them asking that question, like, how does it actually, how much does it actually tell them about you as a candidate? Because, like, everybody knows the stock answer to that question, so yeah. everyone's kind of going to give it. Um, I guess, yeah. The other question that really makes me laugh is like, what do you want to do when, like, after a PhD? Oh, after your PhD, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, you have to say you want to stay in academia to like be a reasonable candidate for the PhD. Yeah. I see okay I don't know I kind of um for, for me I actually said I think at the moment I would love to but yeah I might change my mind I actually explicitly said that I might change my mind so um but I did yeah. say I would love to but I think man, I don't know I remember their response being like oh so you want to you know start your career and I was kind of like yeah I don't know maybe I put way more emphasis on the fact that like I'd love to kind of I just you know, yeah but I don't know I definitely remember saying, like, obviously I, I can't, you know, say for definite. Yeah. Yeah. I just went in knowing that they didn't want to hear that you were going to leave academia. So I just was like, oh, I want to do, like, a fellowship or something. <laughs> it basically, That's I feel like they want to know that you have an idea of the the pipeline and not yeah. that you're just kind of going in blind. It's yeah, just basically yeah. I just, like, spouted some words of, like, what the next steps are after doing a PhD. <laughs> Yeah, I know um, it's um it's a weird one, isn't it? Because yeah, I guess you're. I think you're right. They kind of yeah, they don't want you. They don't. They want to. They want to see that you have some idea of where 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 it goes after. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any other like memorable things or things that happened that you'd like want to tell people um, about? Or? I don't know. Okay, I I it was weird, right, for me. I think because I. I wouldn't say I'm a very like confident person to be honest but I was like like they were like oh um I just remember being like in one of my responses being like so obviously yeah I've applied to other PhDs mm-hmm. and like it's kind of weird because to me I'm like in my head that that came out and I was like oh my gosh you sound like who do you think you are like but actually everyone's they expect that they expect that it's not so I don't know I think I, I would go with like be yourself and mm-hmm. <laughs> tell a joke. That's another that's another yeah. good old piece of advice, <laughs> which comes with being joke. yourself. Um, yeah, oh, I don't think I said a, a science joke. To be fair, um, so you had other interviews on the cards. What made you like decide like to go or not go to them? I didn't go to them because I chose Manchester. So it was, yeah, I was very, I was, <laughs> I don't quite know how it happened, but yeah, I, it was the first interview I had and uh, yeah, I sort of thought it would be good for me to move out of London mm-hmm. and I thought Manchester was really cool. Mm-hmm. I had you in my ear for like four oh. years saying come to Manchester. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I was kind of like, you know what? 
it seems like a great place to be. And I, I think, you know, I felt quite comfortable into, I think previously I had, I should actually say this now. I think I'd, I did have quite like a, there were a couple of things that like, I was absolutely terrified actually at mm-hmm. the prospect of, of doing a PhD in some respects because yeah. early on in my, early on in my fourth year at uni, um, like I don't know I just went like I just basically had my first experience I think of like of someone saying like what they looked for in a PhD student and like yeah. uh postdoc and they they just, didn't make science sound a very nice place to be mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so consequently I think I went into my interview being pretty determined to <laughs> being very determined that if I was going to do a PhD and actually get through it I needed to to see it was like I was choosing Manchester really mm, okay. I went into that interview being like I'm seeing yeah. if I want to be here like they weren't really picking me I was there mm-hmm. yeah I I definitely went into that with being like you know what academia this can be really hard and if I'm going to get through a PhD and you know I want to enjoy some enjoy it you know at least some of the time slash at least you know without really like you know having a breakdown or anything so like <laughs> I, I I would say like place a lot of importance on that I don't know like you you want to be in a place where you can see yourself for the next four years you mm-hmm. want to be in a place where you're going to enjoy yourself some of the time at the very yeah Obviously, there'll be times when it's really hard um mm-hmm. And already, already there are times when it's when it starts, and I'm yeah. barely, barely six months in. So, um, that's mm-hmm. that's one thing I I found really helpful. I think. Yeah, that's really that's really actually useful to say, um, and so important as well. Like it's more than just the project or the or the prestige of the location or the prestige of the supervisor. Like there's so much more that goes into like choosing a good place to do a PhD than um those things like it, it can be quickly like you can think that those are important but that's actually not important it's about where you're going to be happy and where you're going to thrive um and that's super important to you um yeah how about for you because like I, yeah. I don't know your interview is a bit different so what kind of how did you approach your interview did you find anything helpful yeah. to you? uh I don't know Oof. so the first interview I had was like the preliminary round of interviews for um, the PhD program that I'm currently on, which was like a Skype interview with one of the PIs. Like, so for example, this institute advertised like seven, seven or eight projects. I think it was seven projects. And then you put your top three projects down and like, then you would have like out of all the applicants, they will maybe interview about 150 per project, um, like on Skype. So I kind of, that's when I first met my current supervisor was on Skype and it was meant to be like a 20 minute interview to discuss the two papers that he'd sent ahead. So I had like maybe two weeks to prep thoughts on these papers along with like my general um, kind of like what, what, why I wanted to do a PhD, why I wanted to do that project, this, that, and the other. Um, 
And that conversation ended up lasting like 40 minutes. So I took that as like a really good sign that like I got on really well with the supervisor. But a then I was also in... over overrunning conversation. Yeah. So, but then I still had in the back of my head that like from the 150 people that he met on Skype, he was picking three to bring in person. So like, I was like, even though we had a really good conversation, like there's still like a high chance of me not getting it. And that happened in like November. So it was like super early. Um, and then the other, the next interviews that I had were all in January, like I said, back to back to back. So I had, um, like, yeah, one interview on a Thursday, one on a Friday and the next on the Monday. Um, and they were all super different styles of interviews. So the first one was very similar to what you had. So it was the same program funded, like a different program, but funded by the same people. Um, and the dinner before was super, super helpful because like the three current students that we spoke to was so like informative about like what it was actually like to do the program. And like, I think they like were very genuine about like what they thought the downsides of the program were as well. Like, yeah, like they were quite honest. They were like, yeah, it was nice to have the rotations, but it meant I felt like behind other people who were on four year programs who had already like mm. started their projects and were like a year into their project when I hadn't really started anything. Um, yeah. And like, because that was my only rotational program on the cards and the other two I had applied for were four year projects that like actually kind of helps me make my decision a bit because it was like, oh, maybe it would make more sense to pick the four year project. They all made me do different things. In that one, I had to present um, in the like panel interview bit. It was like three stages to the panel interview. You did a presentation, a 10-minute presentation of your own work, a discussion of a paper, and then like the panel just asked you regular interview questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the presentation, like I presented on the work I did in my placement year because that's basically all the research I'd ever done. Um, <laughs> so that was fine like was basically just converting my placement year report into a powerpoint fine and dandy for me um then yeah the paper analysis all of my interviews required some element of paper analysis which was tricky um but Mm. we got the paper about a week in advance of the interview so I'd gone through and I'd made a couple notes about the paper, um, what I kind of had thought about it. And hilariously, this particular paper was chosen by my current academic advisor at university, who was like my oh, tutor nice. for my tutor group. I didn't really realise oh, he picked great. the paper. <laughs> yeah. But then like when I was like, uh, then he led the discussion. Oh, you're golden paper. then, you're golden. Yeah, I know, but he led the discussion of that paper and I was just like, all right, okay. This is just, I'm just going to pretend like I'm having a chat with my supervisor, like my tutor at the moment. Um, And then they just ask standard interview questions like, why do you want to do a PhD? Why do you want to do this program? What do you want to do after your PhD? Where else are you interviewing? Um, Mm. Like all standard stuff like that was pretty like run of the mill. Like I had answers prepped for everything. Um, The one on the Friday was a funding panel interview. So this is kind of what I talked about at the beginning, like... These honestly sound so scary to me. (laughs) This is my most traumatic interview, so I'm just going to have to, like, take a breath before I record this. (laughs) 
Cass actually covering her eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, I'd met with the supervisors prior to this. Um, yeah, prior to this funding interview, like uh, the project was in leukemia. I did my placement year in a leuke- like a really big leukemia lab over in the States. So I had a lot of pedigree going into this project. So actually getting on the project wasn't much of an issue. Um, like the guy heading up the project was like, I remember I sat down to meet with him the first time I met with him. He was like, so why do you want to do a project in leukemia? And I was like, because uh, I know a lot about leukemia. <laughs> like, uh, I was yeah, literally, okay, yeah, because yeah, like I was coming in with like, the only research background I had was in leukemia. So like I kind of understood how the disease worked. Um, and I wanted to kind of continue that. And there was a lot of like aspects of the project I really liked. Um, it was being co-supervised by a guy that is a PI at the Institute I'm currently at. And when I went to go meet him, he brought my application for the other PhD. Uh, oh. And he was like, I know wow. you applied for both. He was like, good on you. Make sure you keep your eggs in multiple baskets. I'm just <laughs> nice. going to use this because I, it's easier for me to access this application form than it is the other. <laughs> so I was like, okay. oh, great. <laughs> it was so awkward though. <laughs> I just felt really embarrassed but they we've both, literally just been saying that people expect this right so. yeah yeah exactly and like he actively told me to continue pursuing all of the applications that I had in even after they picked me to be the like the pod the, like on the project yeah. um so yeah so once they picked me I was then like it was me with my little leukemia project versus a bunch of other students that had been like picked for their various projects yeah and then you met with a panel that were like kind of on the funding board and they were going to pick five projects from 15. So this particular interview was just honestly just terrific. Like we're in this tiny conference room. It's so not COVID secure at all, but like a tiny conference room, me, the project supervisor, who's going to be my potential supervisor, and then 12 members of the funding panel all crammed uh, into this one well, room around this one conference table like they didn't all fit around the conference table like some of them were back a bit from the table because they like wouldn't have fit around the table and I just like I don't know if like they were all meant to be in there or if some of them had trying to jumped in on it I don't really know like it seems bizarre the way this particular interview was run was also super different so you didn't didn't do a presentation with a powerpoint you like basically submitted a paper to the panel like two three weeks in advance and then you were gonna talk them through and have a discussion about um but you weren't allowed to like have any slides or anything you were allowed like an a5 card of notes going in and that was all the information I was allowed to have in front of me to talk about the paper um and so then I had to do a five minute presentation um on the paper and like my supervisors like potential supervisors had like they coach you on the funding interview so once they've like chosen you for the project there was like three or four meetings where I was coached through how to do the funding interview so like they told me what questions were going to come up how to answer them how to answer questions on the project um and then like also we picked the paper together and they read over like my five minute presentation script and like edited it a bunch of times. So like, you're really helped through it, but like, it doesn't take away how scary it is sitting in a room with 12 people and your potential supervisor. And then you're like trying to remember a five minute like 
quick lightning talk on a paper. Yeah, yeah. So that was really stressful. And then and then they kind of interviewed me as a candidate. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so that's when they kind of asked me about, like, why I wanted to do a PhD and what I thought my strengths were and weaknesses. And the strengths and weaknesses question actually did come up in all three interviews what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses yeah yeah what are your strengths I don't and think weaknesses? I got asked that actually and then I'll never forget this but like one of the guys who didn't fit around the table he was like a bit back from the table and he was like <laughs> swinging backwards on his chair I think he was holding a copy of my like cv in his hand and he was like you've never failed what are you gonna <laughs> do a year and a half in when nothing's working and everything's failing that was yeah. his question well, I got asked. I got asked that. I was like, "So, what are you going to do when you've been waiting to do an experiment for six months, and it's a six-month-long thing, and then it's it doesn't work, or you find like the buffer from the company was wrong, or whatever?" Yeah, so I, think, I think those are genuinely really important questions. I yeah. think it's an important question. It was just the way that he phrased it in like just the sheer brutality like, of it. What are you going to do yeah. when you fail? <laughs> and it was like. One, you don't know that I've never failed. Two, I'm not putting my failures on my CV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hang on, let me just extend my CV by 500 pages while I list every single failure. Like, every failure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people should do that. You know, what makes what make for a more interesting conversation. And then the other thing I remember from that particular interview was like, I was talking about... Well, they asked me a couple questions about single cell techniques um, because they're typically pioneered in like liquid cancers like leukemia. Like you, you can much more easily pioneer a single cell technique in a liquid cancer. And so we were talking about single cell techniques and I suggested like a possible pipeline by where you could like split your sample and maybe analyze some by single cell and they seek and some by cytoph and maybe this would work to get kind of that kind of understanding. And then two of the people on the panel started having an argument about whether or not that pipeline would work. <laughs> um, I was just like sat there. There you go. Like, for 30 seconds whilst I was waiting for these two different people who I didn't remember their names. I didn't remember the names of anybody on this panel because yeah. there was too many people on the panel. Um, and they were just having an argument for a while. And I was like, shall I leave? Like what's happening now? <laughs> and that's the thing. I think uh, that's another kind of really, really kind of good point to be fair because the the real thing here isn't whether you are right is it yeah the thing is like you put some thought in you propose something and actually you said something and that was another thing that I found quite helpful it was like just say something like the last thing you want to do in an interview in my opinion is like sit there looking gormless yeah like say something or say like why you don't know like if you don't know say you don't know but say why you wouldn't know like you've never come across that before you don't know about that protein you don't know about that biological system and think it through out loud what can you apply to that situation yeah they're ultimately looking to see how you think um then the final interview which was like two days later (laughs) um I think that was like my, my nicest interview experience in that like they put us up in a hotel um we had a really nice dinner. It was a two-day process. So had like presentation and tour and meet core facilities on like the first day and then two interviews on the second day. Um, 
it was, yeah, it was a bit of a calmer experience. Apart from the presentation the night before, I was going through the presentation with my uh, boyfriend and I just could not get through it. Like I had that same experience you had where you like had the presentation beforehand and you like couldn't string two sentences together. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like couldn't speak words. I no like logical things are coming out of my mouth. Like I was mixing up everything and it was really stressing me out because by the time I got to like this interview, the paper that I was presenting, I hadn't really read in a week because I'd had two interviews prior where I had to prep yeah. two other papers. I really only had the Sunday to really prep for this interview. And I was like, just not being able to cope at all. And I was getting really stressed out. And then my boyfriend was like, right, shut it down. We're going to the pub. So yes. Yes. <laughs> I was dragged to go and have a couple beers um, because this is a lot of problems yeah anyway so (laughs) and then I went back to the hotel room and I was like right I just need to do this once so that I know I can do it tomorrow morning because my presentation slot time was at 8 30 in the morning so there was no practicing at the day off um and sure enough after two beers I just flew through the presentation within the time limit no problems whatsoever I was like right so the key is tomorrow is to have a shot before you do (laughs) it Yeah, and then this was like different again. So I had to like prep a like slide presentation that was 10 minutes long on a paper I'd been given by like that academic that wanted to interview me. Uh, so like my, my current PI. I actually included two, this is a hot tip, include some like figures from the supplement. Like <laughs> it, it shows that you read the supplementary figures. Just uh, I read the supplementary figures. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. Like obviously, like the key to doing any good paper presentation is like one, make sure you understand the take-home messages of the paper. Um, two, understand the project you're applying for and why that paper is relevant to that project. And then yeah. three, like present an argument as to like why that paper is important for the project you want to apply to. And like, mm-hmm. if that, and then, yeah, then like I said, include some supplementary figures because usually like there's stuff, really good stuff in the supplementaries, especially with papers being so long and so bloated these days, like a huge chunk of excellent work goes in the supplementary figures. Um, but there was one figure in the supplementary that like really helped prove my point about like the project and why the paper was important to the project. Um, and I remember I got asked about that figure specifically in the question time after the presentation and then it also came up in my like one-to-one interview the following day yeah and then I guess the next day we had the interview dinner that night candidate dinner which was also really good um and a good chance to meet with current students I really appreciated that again because then you got an insight about what it was like to be a student at the institute and yeah. The kind of fellowship that those students have with each other and did you like like would you say you enjoyed that more than the others like meeting those students more you got on better oh my gosh yeah it was 100 yeah. percent my favorite um yeah. meeting of students you got to find like the good the good people <laughs> I also really liked a bunch of the other candidates that I met that evening um yeah so and they, they did a really good job. Like the number of people at the dinner was also like, there were so many PhD students at the dinner um, that were like current students. Um, 
Uh, and that really, yeah. really helped because it meant like there was at least like one to every two or three candidates. So yeah. Um, yeah. That was definitely my favourite dinner and I'm so glad I went to it. No, it does. you got to find like the people you get on with because ultimately when when you are failing and like nothing's going right, yeah, you need and- to like to have people who you're going to get on well with and pick you up and like you can do yeah. the same for them. And these are the people that like I still like if I see in the corridors like we'll stop and we'll chat about our projects or we'll go for coffee and stuff and it's like they might be yeah, two yeah. or three years above me but I can still have a chat with them um yeah the hardest part was choosing yeah it ended up being offered all three um the thing I had in my head was person project place so place didn't really matter for me because they were all within the greater Manchester area um but I was told that the person that was going to be your supervisor is like the most important relationship you'll have in a PhD and they can make or break your project. So like you can have the best project in the world, but if you don't get on with your supervisor or how your supervisor chooses to like supervise his PhD students, then that project's not going to work for you. I got on best with this PI, so I will do that project. Um, Yeah. And I think that served me brilliantly. As I said, right at the beginning of this podcast episode, like my PI was the one who picked me up and made me feel encouraged after I had a really rubbish week. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really helpful. Um, Yeah. How did you feel? So uh, how did you feel after you you found out, like, you know, so you've chosen your PhD. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you, how did you feel like after you were like, looking forward to it you were like oh this is great like Mm. I mean initially I was just exhausted like it was just a horrendous two it was 10 days I had three PhD interviews and three exams Um, (laughs) and it was just like I just felt so exhausted my mum actually dragged me to Liverpool for the weekend um after all of that to help me make my decision and like it was funny because I really was struggling and I made loads of pro-con lists and my mum suggested that why don't you just like pretend that you're going to do that PhD for like the first half of the day and then the next rest half of the day pretend you're going to do the other PhD. See how I feel. It was so quick like I suddenly realised I kept referring it to like our lab and my this and my that and like it seemed it came so naturally that it like I was like oh wait it that's where I need to go like that's where it's settling most easily like for me to envision myself being there um yeah yeah and then and then I just didn't think about it for ages because I was like I need to finish final year of uni so we're going to focus on that and then it wasn't Mm. really till June when I really thought about it because my supervisor invited me to come and like have lunch with the lab and meet everybody again yeah yeah well I got yeah I got shown around by um someone who was in my lab actually so I got ferried Mm. around on my interview day yeah we I I, like basically I I felt like we got on pretty well I felt like she was really cool and I was like you know what I could I had a hunch I was like you know what this is like a good this will be a good lab to Mm -hmm. to be in you know I'd like um yeah so yeah, I think it's interesting. I guess you know, pandemic had a few uh, meant things were a bit different for me. Um, yeah, yeah, because I kind of remember being like, I don't know whether I was kind of like in a stage of just realizing that I basically 
you know, you just go through a stage, which I'm kind of still going through, of like realizing how much you don't know. And you're just like, I really know absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and like, because I don't know, it's just a whole different castle of fish from like, you know, stepping into a, being a master student or whatever, you know, at the start. And then you realize like, oh, I absolutely know, I know nothing. Um, mm. Yeah, I just kind of remember being like, I kind of remember being really, really worried, to be honest, about whether I'd be good enough, whether I'd like had enough experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I, I think, I think the pandemic meant I worried more about that. Mm-hmm. You had more space to worry about it. Like, I yeah. was like, so, I had so much on, like, that final semester of final year and like I didn't have time to think about doing my PhD like it just didn't come up because I was so busy so I can't imagine like in the pandemic you're like eventually having to leave your lab like you should be doing your master's right up yeah and like struggling to leave just being (laughs) yeah you've got so much more time to think and worry about it than I did like so yeah I can imagine that being super stressful I apologise if this is a super long podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> so, thanks again for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, why not share it with a friend? Uh, if you did, why you check out the show notes and give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, share your interview horror stories with us over there at Unfiltered Tips. <laughs> they want to know we're not alone. Um, also, if you have any comments and suggestions and you don't have Twitter, you can always email us. Um, Sound production and design is by Josh Keeper and we're back again in two weeks with another episode of Unfiltered Tips. So thanks again for listening. Bye. What we do here is go back, 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 back.